So, who wants to be an agent of revival? Sorry? Yes, please. Okay, good. Yeah. Who wants to be one that stops revival from coming or hinders it or gets in the way? Okay, good. Silence. No, that's good for that one. Good silence for that one. There's a, a couple of months ago, I, I, um, there was, we did part one of this, which is the answer, when the answer to maybe is absolutely. Part one focused on Jonathan, and he was a man of faith. He was a man, a catalyst of revival. And, and, but there's two parts to this story. Jonathan was a catalyst to revival. He was helping revival to take place. God was working and moving through him as an agent of revival. But then there's Saul, and he was actually working against revival. He was hindering it, and he was getting in the way of revival. To me, that is, that's, that's a, a fearful thing in a way, that I would be a person that people could get in the way of what God is wanting to do through his church. That should make us think, man, I do, do not want, I don't want to get in the way. I want to be on board. And so the first, in the first one, I encourage you, if you haven't listened to it or weren't here that day, get, get the podcast and listen to it. It gives us keys as to how we can be agents of revival. And Jonathan is someone to be like. But this morning we're going to look at Saul. And he's someone to not be like or to, to not do what Saul has done. He's a bad example, in a sense, for us to... Uh, do the opposite. And so we're seeing revival in One Heart Church today. We are seeing it today. Revival is simply people coming to know Jesus, people being saved, and people being discipled and growing in Jesus. And we're seeing that. We're seeing it in the ones and twos. We're seeing that happening in church. We are in revival. Do you believe that? It is actually taking place. You say, yeah, but revival is thousands of people. It's, it's, it's just, you can't fit them in the building. Yeah, that's revival. That's large-scale revival, but it's just it's revival. We are in revival, and we want this to increase, and so we can help that to increase. And so if we look at this, um, it's in 1 Samuel chapter 13 and 14, but this part of the we're going to look at is in 1 Samuel chapter 14, and we're starting at verse 2. It says, Meanwhile, Saul and his 600 men were camped on the outskirts of Gibeah, around the pomegranate tree at Migron. Among Saul's men were Ahijah, the priest, who was wearing the ephod, the priestly vest. Ahijah was the son of Ichabod, Ichabod's brother, Ahitab, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord, who served at Shiloh. No one realized that Jonathan had left the Israelite camp. And so there's, there's this... Um, there's this uh, time when Jonathan makes a decision to step out in faith and he sees God answer his maybe God will move with an absolutely God backs him up with the power of heaven. And that we, I've talked about that in, in, the, in the part one of this. But meanwhile, while this is happening, Saul is sitting under a pomegranate tree with the priest and the ephod and, and he's just sitting there. And he's in a place, Saul is in a place of religious safety and comfort. You see, he's got the priest with him. He's got the ephod. He's under the pomegranate tree, which represented, they had pomegranates on the uh, robe that the high priest wore into the temple. They, 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 
um, the pomegranate represented the fruitfulness of God and the provision of God. And so Saul has surrounded himself with this religious stuff, but he's not actually stepping out into anything. He's in a place of safety and comfort. And, you know, we we don't want to be in that place. We can get into that same place. We have our, our, um, maybe our devotion or our, we, we have our, um, the priests around us, we, go, we might go to church and, and, you know, we do all that stuff, but we're not actually stepping into what God has called us to step into. We're not actually taking the outpost that God has said, this is your outpost to take. We're, we, we're sitting under the pomegranate tree in comfort, but we surround ourselves with religious items, artifacts, rituals, things to make us feel better. But it's not God's plan for our lives. Saul had a form, the Bible talks about having a form of godliness, but denying the power. Part of the reason we deny the power is because we know that it's going to take us out of our comfort zone. We know that the power of God is going to cause us to step into things that are uncomfortable and that we can't do in our own strength. So sometimes that's why we just want to play it safe. We just want to keep it comfortable and cozy in, in, our, in, in church or whatever we, whatever we do. But God's calling us to step into something that re- requires us to rely on him. It requires him to come through in power or it's not going to work. So we can be full of knowledge and understanding about the ways of God and even pray and study and read the Bible but all the while, stay in a place of safety for ourselves. Our religion becomes about our enjoyment of the goodness of God and our needs and our safety being met. Now that is a part, obviously, of Christianity, that God does supply our needs. He does provide safety for us. He does pour out his goodness on it, on us. But it's not just for us, it's for others. It's so that we can step out and bless other people. We can live for others, as Jesus did, and give up our life for the benefit of others. And so Saul is, um, after Jonathan goes, and Saul and the rest of them are under this tree with the priest and the ephod, Jonathan takes this outpost. He sees a mighty victory. He sees God move powerfully. And he sees the enemy routed, you know, as he's, as he's watching it. And that, 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 all that part is, we went through in part one. But now we're going to look at Saul. And while, after this is, while this is in the process of happening, it says in, chapter, in verse 15, suddenly panic broke out in the Philistine army, both in the camp and in the field. This is when Jonathan is, is taking the outpost with his armor bearer, including even the outposts and raiding parties. And just then an earthquake struck. And everyone was terrified. Saul's lookouts in Gibeah of Benjamin saw a strange sight. The vast army of Philistines began to melt away in every direction. Call the royal and find out who's missing, Saul ordered. And when they checked, they found that Jonathan and his armor bearer were gone. Then Saul shouted to Ahijah, bring the ephod here. For at that time, Ahijah was wearing the ephod in front of the Israelites. But while Saul was talking to the priest, the confusion in the Philistine camp grew louder and louder. So Saul said to the priest, never mind, let's get going. And so there's something happening. There's an incredible event taking place. God is, is moving to rout the enemy army on behalf of the Israelites through Jonathan, this man of faith and his armor bearer. And, and, and this is upon them. This event is happening. It's taking place. 
And Saul says, right, we need to have a prayer meeting. Let's have, let's have a prayer meeting and decide what to do. Now, prayer is, is essential. It's awesome for the Christian life. It's a powerful thing. And we all should pray and believe God for miracles and, and incredible things to happen. But this isn't one of those times that needs to, you need to be asking God the question. It's if, if you go into the, the shops and you see someone fall on, trip on the curb and fall on the, on the ground and they can't get up, and you see it happens right in front of you, 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 don't, you don't get on your knees and say, oh, Heavenly Father, should I help this person or should I just walk past or what should I do? Please give me your, your wisdom in this situation, your revelation, your understanding. You know, you just get going, help, help the person up. It's just something you don't have to pray about. And so in one heart, we're seeing people come to Jesus. Praise God for that. How awesome is that? We're seeing people's lives change. So you don't have to ask, should I get involved? You just get involved. Don't, don't go to the priest and the ephod and have a prayer meeting. Just get involved. You can pray about where God wants you to be, what area maybe, but not if. God's already answered that question in, in his word. He's already given you a yes. He's given us all a yes to be involved. And so if the victory move is happening, get on board. And if it's not, be a Jonathan that starts it. And so now the men of Israel, it says in 20, verse 24, now the men of Israel were pressed to exhaustion that day when they're uh, fighting the enemy because Saul had placed them under an oath saying, let a curse fall on anyone who eats before evening before I have full revenge on my enemies. So no one ate anything at all that day ate anything all, all day, even though they had all found honeycomb on the ground in the forest. They didn't dare touch the honey because they all feared the oath they had taken. But Jonathan had not heard his father's command, and he dipped the end of his stick into a piece of honeycomb and ate the honey. After he had eaten it, he felt refreshed. But one of the men saw him and said, Your father made the enemy take, uh, army take a strict oath that anyone who eats food today will be cursed. That's why everyone is weary and faint. My father has made trouble for us all, Jonathan exclaimed. A command like that only hurts us. See how refreshed I am now that I've eaten this little bit of honey? If the men had been allowed to eat freely from the food they found among our enemies, think how many more Philistines we could have killed. And so this, Saul makes this not smart uh, oath. People take this bad oath. It's, and so it's a type of uh, a religious uh, burden on people. He says, don't eat anything. The Bible talks about severe discipline and re religiously whipping yourself in a sense. You have died with Christ. He has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. This is in Colossians chapter 2. So why do you keep on following the rules of the world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial and severe bodily discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. So these religious rules and rituals, they, always, they, they come to throw a spanner in the works of God, in the works of faith. And so these... Um, Saul gives this, uh, this um, order as such, but it's like 
It's like Saul was a man of weak faith. And, and so it, the Bible talks about those that have weak faith, those that have strong faith. And so it's like Saul gives this um, decree that everyone has to follow. And so it's like somebody that says, you know what, the, the King James Version of the Bible or a certain particular version of the Bible, that is the one that God wants us to use. That, that is the version that's the right one that's the only one we should use, or whatever version it is. Now, that's, that's fine. If you believe that, if, if, if in your conscience you think, no, I, I must read this Bible, this version only, that's fine, that's great, but, you, but don't put that onto everyone else. It's just going to weaken people. It, don't put that onto everyone else. Some people find that hard to understand. What, what's the point of having a version that's hard to understand what God wants people to do? He wants us to freely understand it. And so if they put it into easier language to understand, surely that's a good thing. And so just have that to yourself. That's fine to have that for yourself. You might think a particular day is, is extra special. Sunday, we have to have church on Sunday. That's the only day. That's fine. Got, you know, but don't have a go at people. They say, well, let's have church on Friday or let's have it at another time. Because... It, you know, it says to not judge those that do that and likewise, the opposite direction, don't um, look down on those that have weak faith. And so Hebrews, it says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. It is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace. And so the honey that Jonathan ate is, is a representation of grace. And so he's strengthened when he feeds on grace. And it's important that we all are feeding on grace to have strength for the battle. Feeding on what God has done for us, his unmerited favour on our lives is what we need to be feeding on, not on religious activities and observances. And so, chapter 31 to, uh, sorry, verse 31 to 34, they chased and killed the Philistines all day from Michmash to Ahijon. Hygelon, growing more and more faint. That evening they rushed for the battle plunder and butchered the sheep, goats, cattle and calves, but they ate them without draining the blood. Apologies to all the vegetarians in the house. Someone reported to Saul, look, the men are sinning against the Lord by eating meat that still has blood in it. That's very wrong, Saul said. Find a large stone and roll it over here, then go out among the troops and tell them, bring the sheep, the cattle and the goats here to me kill them and drain the blood before you eat them do not sin against the lord by eating meat with blood still in it so that night all the troops brought the animals and slaughtered them there so here we see the uh the that word hypocrisy means that you you can spot the faults in others you down to the minest detail you could see oh, that person they're wrong in that area they're doing that wrong the church is doing this wrong you can spot those details, but as Jesus said, you can spot the little bits in others' eye, but you have a log in your own eye that you're blind to. He says, first remove that log, then you'll see clearly. And so there's this weird spiritual sort of thing, or I suppose, in, in life where we can, be, we can see all the faults in others, but we're blind to these huge faults in our own life. We literally don't see them. We literally don't see this big log. And so it's important. Jesus warned his disciples to watch out for that. 
watch out for that um, hypocrisy. So um, look at yourself first before you judge others. And, and so it says, um, and even this case anyway, it was a case of the spirit of the law over the letter of the law anyway. So what Paul, what Paul is saying was so wrong was, was, was a triumph of mercy over, over judgment anyway because Jesus answered, haven't you read uh, in Matthew 12, Jesus answered, haven't you read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and he and his companions ate the consecrated bread which was not lawful for them to do but only for the priests. So Jesus is saying, look, there was a law in place that said you cannot eat the consecrated bread on the altar. You, you must not touch it. But then David and his men were so hungry and famished that they grabbed this bread off the altar, but they weren't guilty. They weren't guilty of a crime because the mer mercy in that situation triumphed over that law. And these men, they, they're, they're dying, they're starving of food, and so they get this food and they just consume it because they're just famished. Well, in that, this case, they weren't supposed to eat meat with blood in it, but this, the mercy of God would triumph over that legal requirement of that day. And, but, but Saul didn't see that. He was too blind uh, and religious and legal to see that mercy triumphs over judgment, that, that there's times when God supersedes the very law by a higher law. It's like a man drowning in, in a lake that has a no swimming sign installed with a bunch of people watching on. Someone comes along, sees the situation, says, what are you doing? Why haven't you helped him? He jumps in, swims out to the man, pulls him to shore. And the people standing around say, that's wrong. He shouldn't have swum in the lake. It says, it says don't swim in the lake. He's broken the, he's broken the rules. So that's what Jesus was talking about, about the Pharisees of his day. He was saying, you're so blind. Can't you see that? That person needed saving. And you're worried about this sign that says, don't swim in the lake. There's things that supersede the, these, these um, laws and stuff. The law of, of love, mercy, compassion, kindness. And so we need to be careful to judge ourselves first. Then Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first of the altars he built to the Lord. Then Saul said, let's chase the Philistines all night and plunder them until sunrise. Let's destroy every last one of them. His men replied, we'll do whatever you think is best. But the priest said, let's ask God first. So Saul asked God, should we go after the Philistines? Will you help us defeat them? But God made no reply that day. Then Saul said to the leaders, something's wrong. I want all my commanders to come here. We must find out what sin was committed today. I vow by the name of the Lord who rescued Israel that the sinner will surely die, even if it is my own son, Jonathan. But no one would tell him what the trouble was. Then Saul said, Jonathan, I will stand over here and all of you stand over there. And the people responded to Saul, do whatever you think is best. Then Saul prayed, O Lord, God of Israel, please show us who is guilty and who is innocent. Then they cast sacred lots and Jonathan and Saul were chosen as the guilty ones, and the people were declared innocent. Then Saul said, now cast lots again and choose between me and Jonathan. And Jonathan was shown to be the guilty one. 
Tell me what you've done, Saul demanded of Jonathan. I tasted a little honey, Jonathan admitted. It was only a little bit on the end of my stick. Does that deserve death? Yes, Jonathan, Saul said. You must die. May God strike me and even kill me if you do not die for this. But the people broke in and said to Saul, Jonathan has won this great victory for Israel. Should he die? Far from it. As surely as the Lord lives, not one hair on his head will be touched, for God helped him do a great deed today. So the people rescued Jonathan, and he was not put to death. Like, that's crazy. That's, that's, that's madness. Saul is basically saying, so he, he asked God, should we pursue this army? Should we keep going with this fight? And God is silent towards Saul, and he says, Saul says, it's, it's Jonathan's fault. It's Jonathan's fault that I can't hear the voice of God. That's crazy. So the man of God who is stepping out in faith, God has backed him up to see this great victory, and now Saul's blaming him because he can't hear the voice of God. It's like us saying, I can't hear the voice of God. It's Pastor Rob's fault. It's his fault. He's not doing it right. If, if, he had it, if he had it right, then I could hear the voice of God. Or it's this person's fault or that person's fault. But why didn't Saul say, God, why aren't you speaking to me? What have I done? You see, when he committed that, when he uh, sacrificed that um, when he shouldn't have, um, there was a, before, before these events, he was told to wait for Samuel before he sacrificed the offering to God. Samuel was the one that was required to offer it. Saul didn't wait, and he sacrifices it himself. But he doesn't repent at that time. When Saul says, you've done a bad thing, Saul doesn't repent. He just says, oh, he just makes an excuse. He just says, oh, well, you were too late coming, and I, the, the, everyone's melting away. Like, and God's, that, was a, that was a big, uh, big bad one for Paul. <laughs> Not very good English, but that was a... God said, from that point, God said, I'm sorry, you can't be my king. I'm going to search for someone with, with the right heart towards me. And, and Saul didn't repent at that time. He didn't humble himself and say, forgive me, Lord, I've done wrong. Help me, restore me. He just made an excuse. But now he's saying, um, he's blaming the fact that he can't hear God on others. And, and he's saying that um, what other people are doing is so wrong, but he's not assessing his own uh, misdemeanors, I suppose. And so the, the people save, um, save Israel from, uh, save Jonathan from Saul. And so if, if you hear this sort of talk going on, then just step in and gently say, if you hear someone saying, you know what, Pastor Rob's not doing a great job, uh, we're not hearing from God properly or correctly, or this person or that person, kill them, they've got to go. Let's, let's, let's raise up an army and take them out. You know what? Step in and say, no way. No, I'm backing him up. Sorry, no, I'm, I'm on board. I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up my leaders. I'm going to back up those that are stepping out in faith and seeing God do something through them and take outposts. I'm going to back them up. And, and, and let's um, diffuse those, those things before they even start. And so they back up. Jonathan and he survives and so religious people uh, or religious uh, religious spirit will gladly be amongst people who are seeing victory 
yes, they'll be there, but it will hinder progress, hinder that progress. And so let's back up people of, of faith to taking ground. And, and so in 1 Samuel 14, 46, I'll get the music team to come back if they wouldn't mind. It says, Then Saul called back the army from chasing the Philistines, and the Philistines returned home. And so they're winning this battle uh, out on the field. They're having a great victory. And then the, maybe the excitement wore off a bit. God doesn't hear, uh, Saul doesn't hear God's voice. And he says, you know what, let's just pack up. Let's, let's just go home. And, and the Philistines just re- return home. So he calls, calls them back to stop fighting. And the Philistines return home. I want to take you just to a story in, in Joshua in the Bible. It's in the Old, Old Testament of the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, the Bible is the revealed word of God and everything in it is for our, our encouragement, encouragement, strengthening, correction, comfort and, and support. So if you're not familiar with the Bible, I encourage you to get one and, and read through it. Start in the New Testament. Start um, and ask someone if you're not sure where to, where to read from or what to read first. And so after an an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. The Lord threw them into confusion before Israel, who defeated them in a great victory at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Bethoran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makeda. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, O sun, stand still over Gibeon. O moon, over the valley of I." So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jashur, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since. A day when the Lord listened to the man, listened to a man. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. And so you have Joshua. He's in a similar position. He's chasing an army. They haven't had full victory yet. There's still more to be done. And he cries out to God and says, God, let day, let the sun stay up. Let the sun keep shining so that we can have this complete victory. Don't let the sun go down. And God answers his prayer. But then you have Saul on the other hand. He's happy to let the battle go. He's happy to let the Philistines wander back to their homes. And, and, he doesn't have that passion for the fight. And you know what? Sometimes we can lose the passion for the fight. That, that, that passion that Jesus has for the lost. To see people won into the kingdom before you know the day is almost over. The day is almost complete. Um, but we still haven't seen everyone come in that needs to come in to the body of Jesus Christ. And so do we have that spirit of God burning in us for the fight? It says in Matthew eleven twelve, from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. It's not physical violence, but it's a spiritual laying hold of what God has for us. We can't do it in our own strength. We need Jesus' Spirit to burn in us. And so, would you would you stand with me this morning? We're going to um, we're going to give people an opportunity to give their lives to Jesus. What does that mean? Well, there was. As we just read about Joshua asking the sun to, to stay 
in, in asking for the day to be extended. Jesus is in heaven and he's pleading to the Father. Father, would you extend the day? Would you, would you keep the day? Would you keep the sun in the sky so that people can be saved? The Bible talks about God being patient, wanting everyone, everyone to, no one to perish, but all to come to repentance. He's not, he's not late with his promise to, to return to the earth, but his, his delay simply reveals his loving patience towards you because he does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's what the Bible says. And so Jesus, Joshua is like a type of Jesus. And Jesus is, is crying out, Father, would you give them one more day? Would you give that person that needs to come to me one more day to repent and turn to me? Would you give them one more day to, to become yours? And you know what? The Father is listening. But there is a time, the day the sun does eventually go down. And, and the opportunity is over. God forbid that you'll miss that opportunity. So today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. And you're in here because God has brought you in here. It's not an accident. It, it's because God has brought you here to hear this word today and to give you the opportunity to say, forgive me of my sin and I turn to you and I want life in you. And you know what? He'll take you. He'll take anyone that asks him sincerely and he'll give you eternal life and an incredible walk with him all the rest of your days of your life. And so we're going to turn to the screens now. And there's a prayer on the screens. And uh, it's coming up on the screens. And it's all this prayer is, is just a way for people to connect with God that maybe they don't know what to do. Like, it, it's, I understand that, I, I, you know, I, there's things in my life that I've done bad that have hurt me and hurt others. But what do I do? Well, this is what you do. This is your first step. You just pray this from your heart to Jesus. He'll hear this and he'll take you on and your life will be transformed. You'll become a new person, a new creation. All that us, that us Christians here today would remember that moment when we became a new creation. God gave us life and life abundantly. So let's pray this together, church, uh, along together, everyone together. Dear Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God who died on the cross and rose again to forgive my sins. I ask that you forgive me. I give you my life and I invite you to be my Lord and Saviour. Today I am born again. I trust my future into your hands. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a hand for people that have said that for the first time today. It's so exciting and it brings just such great joy if you've done that for the first time today. Please come and talk to me. Talk to Pastor Kylie, uh, talk to Vanessa, on anyone on stage here. Tell us what you've done and we'll help you to take those steps forward in, in your new life and just give you a head start in, in how to go about that. So, yeah, before we go, we just want to pray also one more um, thing. Um, with every head bowed and every eye closed, we're just going to pray for people. If something in this message has stirred in your heart, and you've thought, you know what, I relate to something there. Maybe it made you feel uncomfortable. Maybe it made you feel, I don't know how it made you feel, but God is speaking to you. And, and, and if something has touched your heart, why don't you just put your hands out in front of you this morning or raise your hands or something. Maybe you just say, I want that passion, that fire 
for Jesus' kingdom. I want that to burn in me strong. I don't want to give up the fight and let it go. I want to be one that fights through to the end. Maybe that's what what you're responding to this morning. But we're going to pray for you right now and believe that God is going to touch you in a powerful way and His Spirit is going to touch you right now. So, Father, we pray for everyone responding in their heart, God, to something from Your Word today. God, we pray that Your Holy Spirit right now would touch them, would settle upon them. Lord, would bring peace, would bring strength, would bring capacity for the battle. Maybe they're weary. Maybe people are weary. They're struggling in the battle. Lord, give them your passion for the lost. Do something supernatural right now. Lord, we thank you that it will continue on, that it will linger. Lord, just like the dove settled upon you, your spirit will settle upon people today and cause them to walk out a new walk with a new strength and a new power going forward. God, we thank you for answering our prayers today. We thank you for your presence here today. We just want to honour you and praise you and bless you in Jesus' name. We're just going to sing through uh, a couple of, um, a, a song briefly, and then Sarah's going to come up with some announcements. So while we're singing, why don't you just press into God and, and seek for whatever you need for Him this morning, and He'll provide that for you.